Hello, and welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your source for Cobra Kai and Karate Kid recaps, reviews, and items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. I'm your host, Colin Kennedy. I am also your host, Jenny Carlson. And we come to you today with another episode in our recap series of Season 3. But before we do that, let's get to some of those scintillating items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. What do you have for us today from the news desk, Jenny? Oh man, there's so many items of interest. Cobra Kai Season 4 is hot on our heels. It's coming in two weeks and there is so much press that I can barely see straight. Uh, We've got Screen Rant interviews with uh, Billy and Vanessa Rubio. We've got... I think Ralph talked to IMDb. Like, this is just all over the internet happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a great promotional campaign rolling out that uh, every week or so, um, our lovely team of producers and promoters give us a new sort of interactive activity or they share cast photos. Uh, We are signed up for... To see the 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 premiere of season four, there's a virtual premiere party on the twenty eighth. That's right. That is true, and we will have insider ticket to that. Yeah, we got that. Hopefully, you did too. The gateway for that was open for a couple hours, so if you missed it, don't worry. We won't know much more than you do for much longer. If you missed it, don't worry because we'll report back on it as soon as it happens. Well, we'll give a spoiler free report. Well, exactly. We'll yeah. review the party, and then when the episodes start dropping, we will do the recaps of the episodes proper. We have also been pleased, on a personal note, to uh, get to do a live viewing of Cobra Kai Season 1 episode with our pals over at Cobra Kai Companion. They hosted us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and they're we'll, doing 30 days of Cobra Kai. Cause they they are. Because they conveniently noticed that there are 30 episodes of the series so far, and so they could just do one a, a day for the entire month. And we are going to be hosting one more of those. You will hear, if you hear this uh, right away, you might be able to tune in. That is happening on December 22nd. On the www.cobrakaicompanion.facebook.com Facebook page, whatever they call it. Search Cobra Kai Companion, you'll find it. Indeed. We will be leading the live stream for Nature v. Nurture, a season three episode with a lot of hijinks from our pals as they take it on the run. That's right. Yes. They take it on the run quite a few times in Cobra Kai, and we like to take it on the run as well. I'm trying to think of some particular items of interest. I know Entertainment Weekly also did an interview with Thomas Ian Griffith, mm-hmm. so that's exciting. Yeah, lots of, like, it. I think we alluded to this uh, in our in one of our previous episodes, but from the looks of the trailers and everything, we're not just getting, like, a little terry silver cameo it looks like he is well involved with the entire season of series four of cobra kai yeah and you probably also know by now that we uh that we have a new trailer um that was part of the rollout of promotional materials and we unpacked that at length over at cobra over over at our live stream yes so yeah those live streams are archived so you can always go back and watch one if you're particularly interested in any of them exactly but suffice it to say it is a thrill um there are a lot of cool looking things we saw some foreshadowing that all may not be well at the miyagi fang combined dojo as crease begins to chip away at, at johnny's confidence in daniel um and daniel of course thinks he knows best but there was also uh, as we pointed out a very cool training montage 
where Johnny and Daniel train each other and also Terry and Crease double down as they throw in together. So looking like some, some cool Rocky moments uh, happening there in this new season. And that's why we've got to wrap this up pretty fast. Yes. And so the plan is to come heck or high water, we will have all our season three recaps done by the end of the month in order to clear the deck for our season four recaps, which I guess will start in January. Our aim is to release uh, our se- our season three episodes nine and 10 back to back. They won't yes. be the same episode, but we will release them together so that you can you can binge right through that on your yeah. way to season four. Worst case scenario, they'll drop a couple of hours apart so that there's at least a little space. But again, yeah, we'll definitely be dropping all we'll we're dropping eight immediately. We're dropping nine and ten before the end of the year so that you'll there'll there'll be no shortage of new material to listen to over the Christmas holiday. Precisely precisely so with that should we go ahead and get into our next episode i am ready to roll so let's get stuck in with cobra kai season three episode eight the good the bad and the badass the good the bad and the badass we open on a bonsai tree bonsai tree the episode opens on the image of a gi and at first you might think it's Daniel's gi but then the camera pans out to show you that it's all the Miyagi-Dos reunited in the garden of Miyagi-Do karate with special gis as Daniel explains why they're here that this is the only way that they can stop Cobra Kai and the reason they learn karate is the reason we learn karate is to show the world that you're not a bunch of pansy ass nerds we cut to Johnny at Eagle Fang saying but being badass isn't being an asshole. Because eagles don't get shit on. They're the ones that do the shitting. Doesn't mean that they have to be assholes themselves. Being badass does not mean hurting others. We're getting a little glimpse of the new ethos that is forming here at Eagle Fang Karate. Miguel, in one of my favorite cutaways, kind of nods on approvingly as Johnny rolls through his sensei routine. Well, Johnny's learned. He's explaining that they don't want to be jerks. They just want to be the good guys, be badass good guys. So the goal is, and then we cut to Crease saying, win at all costs. Here we are speaking to a hyper-weaponized group of Cobra Kai students as Crease is saying, now is the time to show, cut to Daniel saying, forgiveness. Mr. Miyagi used to say, if you're looking for revenge, you can start by digging two graves. This is a fantastic montage, right? PolitiFact equals truth. Miyagi did in fact say that. The way that they're intercutting between the different monologues here is really clever. This is probably one of my favorite opens yet. Just this whole like kind of clash of ethos where Miyagi-Do is super zen, Cobra Kai is super aggro, and then somewhere in the middle is Eagle Fang. Well, Eagle Fang's just badass, right? I mean, their goal is to, we cut to Johnny, to kick the living shit out of him. He says, I don't want you to start the fight, but I want you... Cut to Kreese, who says, finish it. That's right, because Kreese is Mortal Kombat personified. At any rate, then we see a triptych of Daniel, Johnny, and Kreese smiling as their students all say, yes, sensei. It's, It's really cool, right? Like, Eagle Fang looks so spiffy, 
as and, you know everybody's got their shit together now as opposed to last episode mm-hmm. but as i was watching i just couldn't stop thinking about how proud pat Morita would be like this truly is the good miyagi do the bad cobra kai and then the badass that kind of rogue element that makes johnny lawrence so essential to daniel's quest to beat cobra kai that he's been in since 1984 right exactly and johnny's gonna do it his way right whereas daniel is all about like the nicely tailored geese complete with bonsai tree on the back we also have johnny with his screen printed eagle fang t-shirts all the t-shirts fit this episode yes the magic of the (laughs) time passes uh, montage and the sure. kids are suddenly color coordinated as well mm. excellent interesting how that works so the credits have finished and now we open on johnny and daniel having an incidental rendezvous outside of juvenile detention where they're both trying to pick up robbie that's right they're kind of loitering outside of juvie daniel explains that since Robbie's mom is still in rehab. He's come to rep for Miyagi-Do. Johnny's the kind of guy he wants to take the world on his shoulders. He's trying to take responsibility for Robbie. Daniel kind of pins him down and being like the way you took responsibility for Crease. And Johnny's like, hey, man, Crease is my problem. And Daniel's like, mm, hey, man, Crease is actually everyone's problem. He's kind of made that clear. He came after Amanda and we will not have that. That's right. Of course, Johnny doesn't know this yet, right? Like, right now they're just showboating. They're Robbie's two dads. Robbie's actually still in the show. That's right. They've come to pick him up. They can't get along, so they're going to fight it out. And, you know, Daniel says, this is what happens when you summon the devil. I'm going to have to clean up your mess. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel just wants to explain Johnny about everything he's done wrong. Johnny just wants to pound Daniel. And, of course, they're about to fight, and that is the moment when Robbie comes out. That is the point where Robbie does emerge from the juvenile detention center. I don't think my two dads ever had this much angst. Never had this much karate fighting. That's probably why it's not still on the air. Never had this much potentially sexual tension. And there's Robbie. Robbie, of course, is not having it. He's mad at Daniel for narking on him in the first place. He's mad at Johnny for... Being Johnny for the last two seasons and possibly his entire childhood. Johnny and Daniel are here competing for Robbie's affection and both of them saying the things you're supposed to say. But Robbie knows better than to believe their good faith efforts, even though they they both mean it and they think they know what they're talking about. Robbie walks off as the the subtitles say, melancholic music plays. Robbie stalks off as only Robbie can as Johnny calls after him. Did you notice in that scene it was kind of raining and then kind of not? That's that atmospheric river they have in California. In California, you dress as a chicken for Halloween. Mm-hmm. You know, all kinds of other things happen. And then there's an atmospheric river. But yeah. even in times of climate change, it just starts and stops. Well, that's also the perils of filming California for Atlanta. Or filming Atlanta for California. Well, I mean, California knows how to party. They keep it rocking. They keep it rocking. But Atlanta is the place where the players play, and they ride on them things like every day. Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming, and parties don't stop till 8 in the morning. Meanwhile, at West Valley High, which, of course, Colin has called Sweet Valley High in our Mm -hmm. notes, Miguel is walking in past all the Cobras at the base of the stairs, and nobody makes eye contact with him except Hawk, who looks ambivalent about the whole thing. Yeah, it seems that Cobra Kai's are skulking in every corner here at Sweet Valley High. And Miguel has to work to avoid them because things are awkward between them. So he walks into Sam instead, and they're awkward, but they're happy to see each other. Yeah, exactly. Sam actually is happy to see Miguel for once, and 
she says that she'll let him get back to his friends, but... They're not my friends anymore. Miguel announces to Sam that he's broken up with Cobra Kai. Yeah, he says they're not friends anymore. Not after what they did to you guys. And Sam's eyes light up as the old love theme from season one of Cobra Kai plays. It's a good one. They go off together, which is delightful. Would say the studio audience if they were here. So Miguel asks Sam if they can be friends again or start over, and they shake hands on it, only to turn around and see Dimitri up against a corner making out with Yasmin. What, what, what? Yeah, basically Miguel and Sam have, have meted extra cute again just in time for Dimitri interrupt us. Indeed. Yaz gives an ew worthy of Alexis Rose. Ew, 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 ew. Ew. Ew, David. Ew. When Sam tries to pin down what that is. And then she stalks off as Dimitri yells after her, whatever, Cruella, why don't you go kill a bunch of Dalmatians? She really would slay as a modern Cruella. Oh, absolutely. Give it, give it a couple years. I'm sure Disney will be ready to reboot Corella. But Dimitri tells Sam and Miguel that he's 100% in love, which prompts Miguel to declare, Love conquers all. And it seems that Sam is game for that, too. I guess it does. Once again, cue the studio audience going, So cut to Miyagi-Do, where it's after school now. Daniel's got everybody lined up. He's being a dick, telling Chris he has to get in gear. He's like, did you like having your arm broken, Dimitri? Because if you defend like that, you're going to be right back in that cast before you know it. You know what? I'm like, back off, Daniel. Which Amanda agrees, once again, providing that trademark Amanda realness. Okay, guys, let's uh, take five, yeah? Is this Miyagi's planning or just a good old-fashioned panic attack? Yeah, Amanda's been watching from the sidelines. This is the new miyagi do, right? She's a part of it all. And she jumps in. After having told the kids it's time for a break, she sensei explains to Daniel, saying, take it easy. And then as Daniel pushes back, saying that the kids are going to, you know, that, that, that he's got to do all this, Amanda rightfully says, Daniel, you need to let him figure it out. Amanda's like, if he wants to come back, the door's always open. But if he doesn't, you're going to have to let him go. Look, Daniel, the kids are all right. This is actually about Robbie. Yeah. But Daniel says to Amanda, even Amanda urges Daniel to make his peace with the situation or let Robbie go. But Daniel can't quit Robbie because Robbie has no one. That's true. And then just at that moment... As the tension is getting a little too thick, here comes fan favorite Matt Lewis. Ah! Ron from the Karate High Council, we dubbed him. Master Ron, who refers to the Miyagi-Do Garden as the Enchanted Tiki Room, meaning that I'm going to need a crossover where Matt Lewis plays the toucan from the Tiki Room. In the Tiki, 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 Tiki Room, in the Tiki, 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 Tiki Room. But enough with the Disney references. Ron's here to tell us that there's a problem with the whole All-Valley Tournament, but we're going to find that out. But at the same time that he's talking to Daniel, Eagle Fang's going to find out. We'll have to put a pin in that for a moment, because we have to cut over to Park Eagle Fang. So wait, I thought it was Eagle Fang Park. Well, if you're in the United States, it's obviously Eagle Fang Park, but for our Canadian listeners, we'll call it Park Eagle Fang. Vive le Canada! Mm. So, meanwhile, at Park Eagle Fang, Johnny's shelling out dumb nicknames right and left. Good, Bert. Remind me not to piss you off. Ass face, you're next. Uh, and he's got the students doing practice kicks. Miguel's still a little rusty, though. First, we have to establish that Mitch is no longer ass face now in the new Eagle Fang Karate. Does my nickname got to carry over from the previous dojo? You want to be penis breath? In the nomenclature of the Eagle Fang 
That's the cry of the eagle. Anyway, so Johnny's got a frisbee. He's using it to let the students kick at it. He's using it as a target for the students to kick. It's Miguel's turn. Miguel really is not up to snuff here. Imagine this is the guy I stole this frisbee from, all right? Just picture his stupid white dreads. Miguel's still getting his karate legs and, uh... All right, good hustle. Who's next? I can do it, Sensei. Sholo is doing a great job of kind of like... Feigning uh, a weak kick, being like, eh, like trying to get the frisbee that Johnny gamely explains that he basically stole from a hippie that was wandering in the park. Shola's commitment is enough for me to look away from Miguel's obviously toned body. Like, we can just forget that Shola's been training all season. Yeah, exactly. It's a good fake out. When he jumps up at the tournament next season and just destroys everybody i'll pretend to act very surprised it was all that dream training he did so johnny's trying to comfort miguel miguel doesn't want any of it but they don't really have time to get into it because penis breath has heard that the all valley is now canceled at two penis breath it's a we full cut- karate footloose uh yes well that is a good point because we cut back over to Miyagi-Do, where Master Ron from the Karate High Council is complaining to Daniel that, yes, a full karate footloose hath been declared on the valley. They canceled it. City Council just up and pulled the permit. Something about not wanting to foster a culture of violence. And the big all-valley tournament for next season is canceled. Well, the City Council pulled the permits. And Master Ron can't believe this because they were even going to get State Farm to sponsor, going to show that co-optation occurs at all levels of human experience. Look, sponsorships are important for big sports events. And, you know, they Ron and the rest of the Karate High Council work very hard on making this a major sporting event, even though it's the show makes it very clear that only the Valley cares about karate. You know, Daniel's like, they've cast karate at the villain. And there's nothing we can do about it. And and Master Ron says, well, there's going to be a city council meeting. And though it's a formality, it's the council's understanding that... The way the All-Valley Committee feels, if there's one person that can convince the city to overturn their decision, it's a two-time champ. you got to hand it to Matt Lewis. No one could deliver lines like so ridiculous with such a straight face and utter commitment. And he does this while drinking what he thinks is freshly squeezed lemonade. But in fact, it's crystal light. Yeah, once again, Matt Lewis as Master Ron, there to drop important exposition and important product placements. I gotta go talk to the rest of the board. Mm, that's good. Did you grow your own lemons? Or? It's Crystal Light. Crystal Light. Available in your grocer's juice aisle. Well, I mean, you gotta hand it to all the writers who know that we trust no one more than we trust Matt Lewis as Master Ron. So if he wants to talk about Crystal Light and State Farm, I'll hang out for it. But once Master Ron leaves, Amanda wants to know what Daniel's gonna do. And Daniel's response is a little surprising here. His position is, maybe no tournament is good tournament. But Sam isn't having it. You're not actually gonna let them cancel the All-Valley tournament, are you, Dad? She overhears, comes up and says, If the tournament gets canceled, that sends a message to the whole Valley that we're the bad guys. So rather than taking the defensive crouch that Daniel's doing, Sam's ready to speak up on behalf of the All Valley. Can't let that happen. So Sam entreats Daniel to do something, and thus Daniel has to decide whether to answer the call. 
cut to a receipt of flats where Johnny and Miguel are discussing the same situation. And Johnny's take is actually the same as Daniel's. Maybe no tournament is good tournament. Exactly. <laughs> but Miguel can't handle it. He tells Johnny. I need to tell them what karate means to you. How you started Cobra Kai to help kids like me. Basically, Miguel's asking for a redo of episode seven of season one, where Johnny saves Cobra Kai for the All Valley. Now Miguel wants Johnny to save the All Valley itself. And Johnny's like, well, Miguel, you weren't going to do karate anyway, which is completely angered Miguel, who can't believe that Johnny's going to bench him after all that he's been through. Miguel says, look, you already proved you can win. And I need to prove it again. They have this argument just in time for Carmen to open the door and kind of eavesdrop on this part of the convo. And uh, Johnny shoots Carmen a knowing glance, and she shoots a knowing glance right back. I don't know if she knows what he thinks she knows, and vice versa. I don't think she knows what he thinks that she knows, but she knows that he knows that they both know what's good for Miguel. She knows that he doesn't know what he should know, which is that what he knows is what Miguel needs. Now, what's that? To do karate. Who knows? Moving on. Yes. Meanwhile, at probation station, Robbie comes in looking miserable. He's clearly here to see his probation officer. He walks into a waiting room with a bunch of boring chairs and buzzkill posters. He's checking in at the desk, giving us that vital exposition. And then he turns around to see Tori walking through on the way out for meeting her probation officer. Which, of course, this isn't going to go well, right? Because the last time Robbie saw Tori was the fight where she was, they were fighting on opposite sides, and suspenseful music plays as she enters the room. Robbie gets up ready for a fight, but Tori says, Yeah, go ahead. They'll send you straight back to Juvie. Robbie holds back. It's a real case of two master criminals passing in the night. So they're having some angry banter back and forth, talking about starting the fight, finishing it. But, you know, then she appeals to him and says, It's not fair that everyone else got to go back to normal. But she tries to talk shit about Sam, actually. But Robbie won't stand for that. Well, your girlfriend... Don't talk about Sam. She cheated on you. She made a mistake. But Tori still picks at Robbie's vulnerability there. Yeah, this has been Tori's main gear from the get-go, right? She'll turn on you, just like Miguel. You don't know what you're talking about. She's got an axe to grind against everyone. Her position is, everyone else gets to go back to normal. We, the antagonists, the villains of the piece, have to pay for it. Yeah, Tori picks at Robbie's vulnerability, saying that Sam's going to turn on him just like Miguel turned on her, Tori. And Robbie is hesitant still, but Tori asserts that she knows who she is and that Robbie's trying to pretend to be someone he's not. So this is some old school ugly feelings here, right? By appealing to the idea that one is completely kind of debauched or lost. Well, you can I find mean, your true power. Well, it, again, it's one of the master themes of the show in general, which is the whole nature versus nurture of it all. And we can come back to that again as they continue to hit those themes. But Tori seems to be the main spokesperson for the whole uh it's in your nature to be evil argument. Well, I mean, here's the deal. if And that tigers don't change their stripes. If the last two scenes were about our protagonists being issued a call, right? Mm-hmm. Johnny and Daniel both have been you know, given a, the call to save the All Valley. Robbie's call here is to join the dark side. Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. And the deal is, I empathize with Tori, and that doesn't change the fact that she's wrong. And that's one of the lessons of Cobra Kai, is like learning the difference between empathy and agreement. So 
Robbie watches as Tori walks off and then is clearly pensive, right? He's taking what she said to heart. Meanwhile, back at Casa del Johnny at Reseda Flats... Johnny is plying Carmen with some orange juice, explaining that he hopes the juice is still good. Of course. (laughs) Smooth as ever, Johnny. Yeah. Carmen's not worried about the expiration date. There's no expiration on her feelings for Johnny. Mm. In fact, she tells Johnny she appreciates that he's putting Miguel first. I see how much you care for Miguel. I may not want him to compete, but I know he won't get hurt again. And Johnny is a little worried about it. But because he knows that Miguel hates him right now, but Carmen's down to earth about it. She says he's a teenager. This is what being a parent is about. You make hard choices for the kid's own good. And Johnny doesn't want to screw things up with Miguel like he screwed things up with Robbie. But Carmen has so much faith in Johnny because, as she says, he's done so much for Miguel. Got him back on his feet, but he made him smile again. And uh, Carmen says that Miguel won't forget that and neither will she. Yeah, it's an amazing turn that Carmen has kind of made in this season, going from kind of being full-on anti-Johnny to kind of being back down with his sensei groove again. And there are other Miguels out there who need you in their corner. I know I'm the last person you'd expect to be telling you this, but... I would say if Amanda's thing is the trademark Amanda realness, then maybe... Carmen's thing is common sense, maybe Carmen sense. Wow. At any rate, Carmen's super into Johnny's physical therapy style, and now she wants to get physical with his therapy. But before that, she's still got to convince Johnny that he needs to do karate. She tells him that she heard about the tournament, and Johnny tries to shrug it off, but then she persists, saying that while she too was angry at karate and and at Johnny for getting Miguel into that trouble, she now knows that Johnny cares for Miguel and just how hurt he was, too. He was just as hurt, she says, as she was herself. And she says that she may not want Miguel to compete, but she knows Miguel won't get hurt again because Johnny is his sensei. Wow. Cue the studio audience once again going... She elaborates, it's what you were meant to be. It's your strength, your calling, and there are other Miguels, again, who need Johnny in their corner. Basically, she's giving him the old Put aside the ranger. Become who you are born to be. She tells him he has to save the tournament the same way he does everything else. He's got to fight. That's right. Fighting. Yep. Lots of fighting. Cut to Northridge City Council. Where some guy is big mad about manholes. And now I'm hearing the city wants to rename manholes maintenance covers. Do you know what we called a manhole back in my day? Yeah, I'm loving this uh, character actor here. We're going to call that guy Manhole Man. He's played by Al Hamaker, and he is the scene stealer of the episode. You know, his delivery here is just amazing as he has an axe to grind against service hatches being called manholes and or vice versa. Well, you know what they called a manhole back in my day? What was that be? A manhole. A manhole. Bonsai tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, meanwhile, in the audience, both Johnny and Daniel have settled into the same row. Daniel's there with Amanda and Sam. Johnny's there on his own, but he's got a handy leather jacket. And they're both here to argue on behalf of the All Valley. Neither one of them has much faith in each other. And Daniel says to Amanda, having noticed that Johnny doesn't have notes because he shoots from the hip. This is going to be a disaster. Indeed, because they are both interrupted by John Kreese. 
Yeah, not since Dandor the Relentless showed up to a city council meeting has there been such a debacle. We will hear appeals for the cancellation of the karate tournament. Who would like to speak first? Greetings, mortals. I, Nandor the Relentless, hereby demand its application of this governing body to my command. Next. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm retired Army Captain John Kreese. Indeed, Johnny and Daniel both walk up to speak, but they are cut off as Crease is already at the lectern. Yeah, Crease beats him to the punch. Daniel and Johnny are united in their disgust at Crease's working his veteran status for Smarm. Here he appeals to Councilperson Roberts by introducing himself as a captain, which is interesting considering that he hasn't been a captain in the nom flashbacks we've already seen, and that sounds like foreshadowing, y'all. At any rate, Councilperson Roberts is played by Zeli Avradopoulos. She's killing it in this scene. At any rate, Kreese says that I was devastated to hear about the cancellation of the tournament because of the fight at the high school. Clearly casting aspersions on Daniel, tries to make Daniel found sexist by correcting him from saying councilwoman to council person. Now wait just one minute. Indeed, I also noticed now on this rewatch that Kreese also makes a point of saying that he heard about the fight at the school, as if he wasn't personally involved, as if some of these things weren't his idea to begin with. It's so interesting, isn't it? How mm. that how that is. Yeah. At any rate, Kreese is defending the All Valley by saying that all he wants to do is prepare the youth for the realities of the real world. I mean, technically true, I suppose. <laughs> They're going back and forth about the high school fight, and Kreese tries to pin the blame on Sam, which, of course, leads Amanda to stand up and begin yelling. Hey! At Crease. You leave my daughter out of this Which shit. is amusing to Johnny. Ma'am, please restrain yourself. But then Crease seizes a hold of this and mentions the fact that he had to take out a restraining order against Amanda, who is now promptly escorted out of the city council chamber. Yeah, this city council meeting has rapidly become like a taping of Maury. <laughs> First, everybody bring her out here. Okay, but that man is a lunatic. <laughs> It is hilarious to hear Amanda fully go all in on publicly denigrating Crease when she had acted like this was completely nuts from the beginning. But at this moment, I'd like to point out Daniel Macho's excellent poker face in this group scene. I'm sure there are tons of people part, who are part of the show in this group scene, and I haven't lingered on who they all are. But it's impossible not to see Daniel Macho sitting in the middle of the row that the camera focuses on. And yes, he is named for Daniel LaRusso. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, Amanda stalks off with security towing her along. Meanwhile, Kreese defends himself and says that he's a positive influence, which leads Johnny to stand up and call horseshit. Then Johnny promptly introduces himself as John Lawrence of Eagle Fang Karate. I love that. He announces himself like he's a federal agency. John Lawrence, Eagle Fang Karate. Johnny says that Kreese is a thief and a liar, and Daniel chimes in that Kreese put a live cobra in his dealership. Okay, that wasn't a cobra, but I will allow it. And of course, we see Johnny react to that. Johnny didn't realize that Daniel has literal skin in the game, that Kreese has been messing with Daniel on that level. So now Councilperson Roberts is going to talk at them, so they all have to sit back down, and it's pretty funny to see the three of them sitting in a row these these old legacy characters who've seen it all right Mm -hmm. they're getting a stern dressing down from councilperson roberts and it looks like the all valley is doomed when all of a sudden miguel comes in and flips the script just like jerry blank miguel enters the city council hall and says wait i got something to say 
Yeah, Miguel comes in, stands in the lectern. My name is Miguel Diaz. Says who he is. I was in the school fight. It's the one that got kicked off the second floor. Now he's here to speak on behalf of the All Valley Tournament. As Miguel, exactly. As Miguel talks, Sam looks down in the audience thinking over what she's going to do next. Miguel rhetorically sweeps the leg right out from all of them. I thought I was going to be paralyzed. I relearned how to stand. And I want the tournament to continue. Councilperson Roberts is going to explain him that he doesn't understand, but at this point, Sam's on her feet and she says, Yes, he does. We're the ones getting hurt. We're the ones fighting. Our voices should matter the most. Also, let me say that Sholo's hair is doing work all on its own in the scene. It's it really is, true. Mm. And Mary's is, is not far behind. Oh, yeah. As the kid power rises, Miguel is saying that there's always a kid who's going to try to bully you. There's always a kid who wants to take your lunch money or give you a swirly. Of course, this is where Johnny springs in to explain what a swirly is. To say nothing of the dreaded rear admiral. Miguel's speech is very, very good. He's like, Instead of burying your heads in the sand and pretending that bully doesn't exist, what you need to do is teach kids how to defend themselves. Physically and mentally. Sam adds, Miguel delivers a real Grapes of Wrath level speech right here. Wherever there's a fight so hungry people can eat, wherever there's a cop beating up a guy, I'll be there. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. But Sam adds, Sometimes the scars you can't see are the ones that hurt the most. And at this moment, Daniel looks proud as Miguel continues talking about how karate is about discipline, inner strength, confidence. And, you know, these are lessons you can use for the rest of your life. And he says he doesn't know where he would be today or who he'd be if it weren't for his sensei. And now it's Johnny's turn to look proud. I mean, if you don't feel the tears prickling in your eyes, who are you? Miguel adds that we needed to show the bullies of the world that we're not afraid. It's called the All Valley because it's for everyone. Well, I mean, everyone in the Valley, like by definition. That's fair. Well, but the, he's saying we all deserve that chance. The world of Cobra Kai is pretty much the size of the valley. I mean, there there are a few outlying islands, right? There's uh-huh. Okinawa on one side. There's sure. Newark on the other. Yeah. You know, I don't know. In Riverside, mm-hmm. once upon a time, Miguel was in Riverside. Fresno mm-hmm. is where Daniel's mom lives. But, like, generally, that's it. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I think the Cobra Kai Valley is a real Discworld situation. For it sure. is. It is. Anyway. But at any rate, it's for everyone. and And they deserve that chance. So everyone, the, the council person and her colleagues look moved, but council person Roberts adds, speaking for everyone, to be honest, I don't get the Valley's fascination with karate. It's clear that she just needs a Netflix account and that she will understand. If it means that much to all of you and you're willing to sign waivers stating that the city is not liable, then the All Valley Under 18 tournament is officially back on. The council's like, you know what, WDGAF, as long as you guys sign a waiver. End of episode. But of course, that feeling is short-lived as Kreese turns around to Johnny and Daniel and says that they need to be careful what they wish for. But even though Kreese got a little jab in, Johnny and Daniel both look like You know, we'll deal with that later as they hug their prize students. Later that evening at Miyagi-Do, Sam and Miguel are sitting on one of Mr. Miyagi's decks. And Miguel asks Sam what The Rock says. She doesn't know. Daniel won't tell her, but maybe he doesn't know. It's a cool rock to Miguel. Oh, for sure. They're toasting their RC Cola 
And, of course, Miguel is flirting with her about whether Miyagi-Do actually does karate. Happy teen love music plays. Once again, we hear the studio audience in our heads going... This is it. the music that's playing is If Only by Maria Taylor and Connor Oberst. Because it's one of those rare moments that we get a new pop song. Miguel and Sam are engaging in some flirt fighting or flirt to fight, fight to flirt. Uh, talking fight smack, or flirt, yes. Fight or flirt response. They're talking about each other's dojos and it looks like they're teeing up for a rematch of their golf and stuff fight, which will definitely end in a hot makeout session. First, they're locked in each other's arms, and once they've got each other, well, it's adorable, though, they hear Robbie come up behind them as he says, he should have known. Indeed, it's a case of Robbie interruptus. So much interruptus this episode. Robbie shows up. He wants to Anakin this whole deal. I don't believe what I'm hearing. Hope your mom was right. You've changed. The Jedi turned against me. Don't you turn against me. It's not like that. Now I know why you stopped writing. To Sam. But she quit writing because Robbie never replied. Because people kept pulling the plug on his goddamn computer. I wouldn't write either. Well, Robbie's not interested in making that understood. He just says he was getting his face bashed in. Whatever makes her feel bad, and it does. Mm-hmm. And Sam is sorry, but the guys are beginning to heat up into another fight. But as Robbie gears up to throw the first punch, Sam gets between them. Robbie, don't! And pushes Robbie away, which is the exact inverse of what happened at the end of season one, when Miguel was going to hit Robbie. Robbie says that Miguel and Sam deserve each other and stalks off. Cut to Casa de Johnny at Reseda Flats apartments, where Johnny is Facebooking. Finally, he's figured out the computer has to be plugged in, logged into Facebook. You have to have an active account. He has no time to be radicalized by Facebook, though, because there's a knock at the door, and who's there but Carmen? Hey, Tony. Is it too late? That's right. Carmen knocks on the door to congratulate Johnny on his city council meeting, his big meeting. His victory. He offers Carmen some juice, but she's interested in getting something else flowing. Yeah, Carmen wants to hold a council in his chambers. And that's not a metaphor. She heard what happened at the meeting, and of course, Johnny raves about Miguel. You know, he didn't know he'd be there. He had nothing to do with that. And of course, Carmen says he had everything to do with that. Once again, the TV audience in my head's going... As Johnny looks at her expectantly, she leans over to kiss him, and suddenly it's a desperate kissing situation, so desperate that they slam against the wall, and guess what comes down? The television. Knocks the TV down. I'm wondering if there's like an alternate take of this that's kind of like a more naked gun take, where they start kissing, and as they go down the hall, they just knock every single thing down, like they knock the lamp off the shelf in the back and all that (laughs) business. I'll just say one thing, and that is while Billy Zabka might be closer to Leslie Nielsen's age in that film that we want to acknowledge, he's definitely the handsomer man. That is Um, truly some Dancing with the Stars worthy choreography, though, as they slam against the wall, then spin back towards Johnny's bedroom and go mm -hmm. in there all in one take. Truly impressive work. Well, Ralph's already been on dancing, as has Marty. As has Marty. So I guess it's time. Yeah. 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 Why don't they just let Cobra Kai take over an entire season of Dancing with the Stars? I mean, they might as well at this point. I'm here for it. Let's get that hashtag started now. Zabka for dancing. Anyway, uh, cut to scene 12, Cobra Kai Dojo, where Kreese is lovingly hanging the 51st annual karate championship poster up on the wall. Yeah, whereas Johnny put up the poster last year, now it's Kreese's turn to do so. And as he looks at the poster, the door jingles behind him. We look from over Crease's shoulder back towards the door, and there's Robbie. 
But of course, now we have to see Anakin come to the Emperor for help. Sensei Kreese? And uh, all Robbie has to say is Sensei Kreese, and Kreese smiles at that turning because he already knows who's behind him. Anakin, a.k.a. Robbie, shows up at the Emperor, a.k.a. Kreese's chamber. Cut to the end snake, and thus ends Cobra Kai. Season 3. Episode 8. The Good, the the Bad, and the Badass. And the Badass. So, Jenny. Yes, Colin? Now is the time that I turn to you (laughs) and ask you, just kind of in general, what did you think of this episode? I love this episode. How long was this episode? Well, funny you should say that, because uh, <laughs> as we were making our notes, we were scribbling, 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 and the uh, yeah. episode was over before we knew it. It's the shortest episode in all of Cobra Kai. Out, it's the shortest episode of the season, possibly in all of Cobra Kai. It has to be, right? A brisk 28 minutes. That's right. Uh, no, I don't mind it. I think that it brings together a number of threads from previous episodes, everything from Miguel's rehab to Sam's PTSD. D to all this stuff with Johnny's arc, you know, kind of break it down item by item. Robbie but... and Tori are back in the mix in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I really dug about this episode, and I said this a little bit last time as well, but it's beginning to feel a little bit more like season one, which is probably my favorite season of the show so far in the sense that we get these longer scenes where mm-hmm. there are a lot of character moments and a lot of like group dynamics on display. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of moving parts to this show, and the showrunners and writers have had a lot to do in setting things up. But in these moments, we really just get to live out the reality of Mm -hmm. Cobra Kai and see all these people working together or against each other, reacting to one another. It's just just a real pleasure. I think just in terms of payoffs of all the work we've done, of seeing the, the setup for this year, it all comes to fruition where not only do the sensei show up for their students, but the young cast really comes into their own you know now it's not about the senseis doing it all it's about the students taking on the things they've learned from their senseis and being creative with it Mm -hmm. right like tori's gonna build a connection with robbie right even she's using the logic of crease and it's gonna bring robbie into the fold of cobra kai Mm -hmm. but you know she's she's building on what she's learned and on a happier note so are miguel and sam they're working together they're they're creating something new from the dogma that we've already seen and they're they're building on their sen- the sensei's lessons that the senseis have learned and the senseis are learning to redefine themselves not as students but as masters it's true senseis are doing it for themselves i mean a number i like i said a number of threads get drawn together here like and again, for such a short episode, it does so much heavy lifting. I think we check in on every single character. Including know. Yasmin. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yasmin and Dimitri get this beat that kind of builds on the on the beat from the earlier, uh, from the previous episode where their relationship has escalated yet again. I, I, one, I said last episode that, it, that it's going to be a pleasure to watch this particular plot line play out and i have not been wrong so far so i'm very happy about that i think johnny's journey is particularly interesting i think i said that earlier during the recap segment we're now seeing johnny's ethos kind of coming into focus here and that is a very interesting thing where it really builds on the show's thesis statements in general where the show is no longer presenting this black white morality of force versus pacifism or cobra kai versus miyagi do or you know 
being Zen versus being aggro. Now we've got this interesting middle space in Eagle Fang and Johnny where he's like, yes, you should be able to defend yourself. Yes, you should be able to kick ass, but only if you have to. It's a very Old West Sheriff kind of ethos to where it's just like, I will use force, but I don't want to kind of formulation here. It's going to be very interesting Well, I'm going to use force, but I'm going to do it fairly. Right. I'm going to seek out a just response or a proportionate response, and I'm going to kick ass, right? Yeah, he's going to be an eagle rather than a snake. I want to see Johnny fly like an eagle. Me too. Absolutely. But, you know, also really remarkable is we get to see the best of this world and we get to see the worst. Because at that moment when Tori picks at Robbie's vulnerability, you know, she's not just trying to get in his head. She believes mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Robbie believes it. This is what leads people to go down the path of the dark side. Mm-hmm. And this is the first episode to really lay out what is different, aside from our sympathies, what is different between Johnny's karate and creases karate because mm-hmm. it's not just technique it's about the heart and and we're beginning to articulate the place that that comes from once again mad respect to peyton list for this performance because yeah. again like it's it's not an easy thing having to be the antagonist having to carry this kind of psychic every scene tori is in tori is towing the line for a tiger doesn't change their stripes I was born to be bad. Bad to the bone. Bad to the bone. (laughs) She's always the femme fatale, always coming down on being the antagonist. Right. In every sense. And so, you know, as much as we as the audience want to just be like, oh, snap out of it, Tori. That's not her place in this narrative. I I don't think if Tori has an arc, it's going to come very late. In the narrative. If anything turns her around, it's not coming anytime soon. Tori's arc is going to be like Johnny's arc in the original Karate Kid. Yeah. Where and Johnny's arc didn't happen until like he got his face smashed no, in. No, and Johnny had oodles of charisma that made him mm-hmm. watchable even when he was bullying Daniel. But, you know, we didn't get to see a likable Johnny or a Johnny that you could really trust until the very end when he didn't want to hurt Daniel. And then he told He's, you know, you're all right, LaRusso. So with Tori, I can see that being similar because she's already a sympathetic character and that Peyton List plays her so well, plays her in a way that's relatable. But the other thing that's really remarkable about Peyton List's Tori is that this character challenges the viewer. You know, I've had people say to me, oh, but she, you know, she's right. Like, she's got it. Some people do have to fight for everything that they get. And, like, some people have to fight less. And so, you know, I validate everything she's saying. And, like, this is a moment when, as a viewer, you are challenged to be like, oh, I like her, or I may not like her, but I empathize with her, but I still I still know she's wrong. That's the thing, right? It's yep. like, it's like, it's like you want to like we already like Peyton List as an actress. We want to like Tori as a character, but every single position she takes with every character, she's coming in hot and she's coming in raw. And it's like, I get that, the impulse of people being like, well, actually, Tori is kind of right. Yes, technically, Tori is kind of right, but she doesn't have to make a thing about it, right? Well, I mean, but but she's right, and then she's not always right, right? I mean, like, she's right about the fact that she has to scrap and fight. Yes. Like, that was true. Sam does have a lot more security than Tori. Mm-hmm. But as Sam has said, like, 
that doesn't mean it's okay to be a bully. Well, exactly. And like, Tori, yeah. ca- Tori, in addition to having to fight and scrap for everything she does, she also has a chip on her shoulder and she's willing to punch down at anybody else. Up, down, that, and all around. Yeah, exactly. That, that gets in her face. And that's what makes her frustrating as a character. Well, it's not just that. It's that she thinks that that's all she is. Mm-hmm. She's accepting that reduction of herself yes. to nothing but wounded at- attachment and violence mm-hmm. that Crease is dished out. And it's tragic and relatable to see her spread that to Robbie. Right. Well, and also that is a great arc for the whole Cobra Kai side of the equation, right? Where Crease is now sought out all the most bullyish kids that he can find and he's playing right in to their psyche and right into their exploitability in that way to where it's like now he's basically just grooming an army of angrier and angrier kids yep yep and it makes you feel bad for people like hawk who are kind of caught in the crossfire Hawk is an angry kid, and he has a right to be angry, Well, but he doesn't want to see the world burn, and that's the difference, He thinks right? he wants to see the world burn, and he's already tried to set the world on fire, but we know that Hawk knows there's more to life than letting the world burn. Right. There's know- also Doctor Who. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in, in, all of, in all of their forms. Yes. But, you know, I think that there's one other thing I want to say about the senseis, and then I want to get to the MVP thing. I think it's interesting to see the position that Johnny and Daniel are at. Like, we, the viewers, have long known that Johnny and Daniel are different, but same. And and at this moment, we see Johnny and Daniel beginning to understand on a level beyond their care for Robbie or Sam or whatever, or their, you know, that they really have some things in common and that their students have needs that are bigger than their own egos. And that And that they see and acknowledge that. They haven't done it verbally yet. But the episode went to great pains to show us that nonverbal realization that they're having. So that's exciting. So now I just want to ask, oh, did you pick up any Easter eggs on your Easter egg hunt? I mean, I feel like a lot of Miguel's speech was cribbed maybe from Daniel and Miyagi exchanges from Karate Kid 1 and 2. Well, I felt like Miguel's speech was a massive Easter egg to Johnny's speech at the All Valley High Council meeting. That's true. When he was trying to get Cobra Kai back as a as a legit dojo. The further we go into this show, while we still get echoes and, you know, like like clothing that looks the same as in the classic films, many of the Easter eggs and repeat beats are just from the show, from Cobra Kai. We're getting to a point where the show has enough strength and momentum on its own that it can now refer back to stuff in season one as fun little callbacks rather than stuff that happened 30 years ago in the Karate Kid movie. Does the TV keep falling off the wall because Johnny is cursed because he put the TV on the wrong wall in the very first episode of Cobra Kai for that that lady? I'll go ahead and say yes. So, yeah, I mean, the curse of the TV is probably my favorite Easter egg from the episode. Now we should talk about who the MVP of the episode is. Shall I go first? Yes, you may. Well, as much as we talked about Tori and Peyton List and Tori's arc, you know, she would have been my pick. But there is an even more interesting lady character arc here, and that is of Carmen and Vanessa Rubio. So I'm going to pick Carmen as my MVP for this one because 
if you want to talk about hard character turns, like at the beginning of this season, Carmen, who was smitten with Johnny, was out of love for Johnny, out of love for karate. Like she was heartbroken because of Miguel and his situation, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. But now. Carmen as a character and Vanessa Rubio as an actress now have to sell this turn from being completely shut down on Johnny and shut down on karate to being like, maybe karate's okay. If not, it's definitely okay for Miguel because he believes in it and I want to support my kid. To go even further to being like, Johnny, you're a great sensei, to being like even further to being like... Let's destroy the TV together. Johnny, I want to destroy the TV with you. And then we can go back in the bedroom and smash something else. So to make that kind of a character turn, even when you give a runway of like seven episodes to do it, not the easiest thing in the world. But I I buy it. Like, Carmen is back, <laughs> maybe not with the angels, but certainly with the eagles. And so... And she's soaring. Yes, exactly. And you know what? I'm here for it. I'm happy to see it. Will it continue? We'll, we'll, we will see. But for right now, she, uh, yeah, Carmen is definitely my MVP. How about you? Man, okay. Well, you've given me a lot of food for thought because the MVP that I was bringing to the table was Miguel. I would also support that because this episode definitely had one of Miguel's character highlights. A great shining moment for Miguel, certainly. Because the thing about it is, you know, we know that Sholo's a genius and his treatment of Miguel has always been so true. Mm -hmm. right? He's great at it. Uh, but we haven't gotten to see Sholo really, you know, command the whole show. Aside from when, well, we have, when he, when he kicked ass in karate fights. Mm -hmm. But we haven't gotten to see Miguel espouse the goodness and the fairness that makes him Miguel. Right. We've seen him come up against some hard obstacles this season with the physical therapy, as it were, with all the with with the challenges of, of breaking up with his friends at Cobra Kai and figuring out, you know, what he's gonna do now. But like this is really a moment where Miguel takes the stage not only amongst his peers, but in the larger community as this public figure who is now the face of the All Valley, in a way, the face of karate, you know, the worst of it and the best of it. And he owns it and he moves forward. And I think that that Sholo does it in a way that both like shows that growth, but keeps that sweetness that made Miguel such a lovable character at the very beginning of the show. You know, we always say that what a revelation this is, you know, of Billy Zabka and how great that this show exists, because like now he gets the dude that he deserved as well as Ralph getting to show his chops Really, you know, the show wouldn't have worked without Sholo as this show's karate kid. And we get to see that happen with Miguel now. Yeah. And the only thing I'll add to that is, besides a hard agree, is just the... I mean, I think you nailed it when you said he's not just the new karate kid. Because it's like, it, you know, from season one, it would be so easy to just, like, pick out analogs for every character and be like, oh, well, you know, Miguel is going to be the new Daniel, right? Mm-hmm. But I think they've definitely made a case that Miguel, while he has some Daniel-esque traits, he's not Daniel. Miguel has similar circumstances, certainly. But, you know, whether you throw it down to Jolo's charisma or whether you throw it down to the way Miguel is trained with Johnny and has kind of taken on a lot of the Cobra Kai ethos, he is definitely a different 
character and in a different mold than Daniel was, which is good. Like, we want to see that. Repeating characters, as we've seen in other franchises, is not necessarily a healthy way to go, but you can iterate on characters. You can find new permutations and new combinations of characters, and that's the healthiest way that you can incorporate the legacy while making something new and fresh. Yeah, for sure. I think when we were talking, it really comes across that the young cast is now, you know, as big of a player in the show Mm -hmm. as the legacy cast. And that's not to say that the legacy cast are only the legacy, right? They're major players, and we're here because we care what happens to them. But I don't know if Cobra Kai would work without them. But but the young, it wouldn't work without the young cast either. They're, exactly. They're not interchangeable. And, and that's always been the case, but it was on full display in this episode. I think that's all I wrote. That's all I've got, too. So I think we can go ahead and close the book on this episode. Once again, feel free to... Find us on social media at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter. We're on Facebook as well. Who knows how much longer with how Facebook is going, but whatever. If there's um, a platform out there to stream content about Cobra Kai, we will find it and stream it to you. Fair. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And if you want to see this show grow, that is the best way to do it is by rating liking and subscribing because that helps our algorithm we will be back next time with season three episode nine feel the night which is an auspicious title i've been colin Canaday, and i've been jenny carlson and we'll see you around the miyagiverse see you around the miyagiverse this podcast has been produced and hosted by colin Canaday and jenny carlson our music is by chepo You can find us at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter and wherever you download podcasts.